Welcome into Red Zone Radio. It is great to be here. Great to have you. Just a reminder, you can listen to Red Zone Radio on the iRadio app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere that you get your podcasts. We've got a lot to get into today, including the Lakers-Warriors series. That could be coming down to the wire. The Knicks and Heat series and some of the NFL schedule was released today. We break it all down on today's episode. So thank you so much for joining me, and let's get right into it. Starting off with the Lakers and Warriors, something that really clicked for me when watching that game, I I think both of these teams are getting a lot more credit than they deserve if you are strictly evaluating them based off what they have done this season. I do not think this series or these teams will be getting the attention of the media and the fans that they are getting. Now, of course, I understand that there are huge names in this, and you got the Lakers brand and all the great history they have in the NBA, and then you got the Warriors brand and the Warriors dynasty, and then you got LeBron, who's arguably the greatest basketball player of all time, and Steph Curry on the other side, who's the greatest shooter on the planet. And then you have Anthony Davis and Draymond Green and Klay Thompson. And big-time names, big-time brands, big-time teams. But something to think about is, this is only the second round. And both of them have had good seasons. But are either one of these teams going to win the NBA championship? Now, I try really, really hard not to flop my opinions and... I know I said yesterday I was wrong about the Lakers, and I still am wrong about the Lakers because I predicted that they were going to get beat by Memphis. However, just because they are better than I thought, I still don't know if I think this team can win a championship or the Warriors. Now, they both have stretches, and I talked about this, they both have stretches where it is just some of the best basketball you will ever see. Whether it was the other night where it was Lonnie Walker coming off the bench and having that amazing performance. Whether it was last night where it was the Warriors hitting shot after shot. Maybe it's in like the first half of game two where Klay Thompson couldn't miss. But there are also stretches where Klay Thompson goes ice cold. And that's not a criticism of Klay Thompson specifically. That's just how both of these teams as a whole are. They are plagued. By inconsistency. I don't know if it's an age thing. I don't know if it's a effort thing. I don't even know if it's a coaching thing. I just know you do not have to be a scout to see that both of these teams, it, it's just like a looming giant. And you just know when they're in a stretch where they are just playing Terrific basketball. Whether you are a Lakers or a Warriors fan, do you not sit there and and just kind of cringe and be like, oh, when's the first missed shot going to come? And then it comes, and you're like, oh, I hope we can hold this lead we made when we were playing good basketball. Neither one of these teams, I think, is consistent enough to win the title. And this is the other thing that is important. As much as I'm sure Steve Kerr and Darvin Ham may point out these problems to their team, there is no fixing it at this point in the season. We are in the second round of the playoffs. 
even if you get through whoever whoever gets out of the series, you got to play wildly efficient, consistent and lengthy Denver. You may have to play Boston who has all sorts of depth and everybody keeps criticizing Boston about, well, I don't know how great their superstars are. Boston is consistent, efficient and on paper it's not even arguable. They are better than either the Lakers or the Warriors. I'm not saying that the Lakers or Warriors couldn't win that series, but I believe strongly Vegas would have the Celtics favored. The idea of the Warriors and Lakers, kind of the built-up hype to the series, was largely based off past years, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I think it's a great series. By far, it's been the best one. Not the best basketball, but it's been the best series out of all the series so far. It's been really fun to watch, and I like that they made a big deal out of it. But I think that we should at least acknowledge that we're only talking about the Lakers and Warriors because this could be the this could be the last run for LeBron in terms of realistically making a championship. This could be the last run for the Warriors dynasty in terms of trying to land one more big-time blow before a lot of their players get traded away. And by the way, I do think the Lakers are going to win Game 6 because if they don't, then it would be very ironic. Steph Curry coming back on LeBron down 3-1. Of course, that's what LeBron did to him in 2016. And they would get to have Game 7 back at the Chase Center, so it's very important for the Lakers to win that game. And also, one more quick note, I'm not saying that I don't think either one of these teams, I, I don't, I'm not saying that it's impossible. Like, I don't think it's, it's completely out of reach, but I do feel that there has kind of been this idea that whoever wins this series is like a lock to win it all. And in my opinion, you still got to go through a lot of teams. Both of these teams have shown like I said, stretches of great basketball, but also have shown that they are flawed as well. And so I'm not saying that I think it's impossible, but I do think it's going to be a lot harder than people think just because you, just because if you're the Lakers and you get past the Warriors or just because you're the Warriors and you get past the Lakers, I don't think it means that you're going to win the NBA championship. They could, but I don't think this is the key indicator of that. All right, let's go to the other series, the Heat and the Knicks. Um, this is a series that is at 3-2, but I think everyone would acknowledge that this 3-2, it, it's hard to explain, but this 3-2 series does not feel different than the Warriors and Lakers 3-2. Like, Game 6 is is going to have a lot of intensity with the Warriors and the Lakers. And I'm not to say that New York and the Heat won't, but it just felt like what New York gave you last night was Jalen Brunson. They were saying, they're going to leave it out on the floor. I mean, he did not sub out. It, he, he was just playing all sorts of minutes. And it just felt like they were saying, we're going to leave it out on the floor, and they're not going to be able to do that for two more games. The Knicks had a great season, and they weren't necessarily expected to be here, but they do need another shooter some more depth on the bench, and they had a great season. And these are the building blocks that you put in place. 
And that's why, and they made and they made the series respectable. And I'm not saying it's impossible for them to win Game Six, but it just does not feel like what Jalen Brunson gave you last night, where he basically did not sub out the entire game. It just feels impossible for them to be able to do that two more nights. The the same with the with the Suns. What they did to tie right now, it's at three two, and they're going to play tonight. I'll recap that game tomorrow. But what they gave you those two games where they tied it up. They had to be shooting at an all-time great percentage, and it just felt like they weren't going to be able to keep it up because the Suns lacked depth as well. I think the Knicks are are built. Are they, look, they're getting their culture back. They are building a great foundation for next year. Jalen Brunson, they have found an absolute star in, and he has certainly made himself a home in New York. I don't think they're going to win the next game. But a great season by Thibodeau and the New York Knicks and the Heat, I believe, are going to the Eastern Conference Finals. And a great season by Eric Spolster as well. I've talked about them before. But that's going to be really interesting to see because they will have to face either Philadelphia or Boston. And I think they're going to give either one of those teams a, a very hard-fought battle. So we will see what happens. One other thing I wanted to touch on was the NFL released their schedule today, and we'll break it down more as time goes along and as we get closer to the NFL season. But something that was important was Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen are going to face off in week one on Monday Night Football. That's when he's going to make his debut. And this is what I want to talk about because I saw a picture the NFL posted and Adam Schefter posted uh, with Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen standing right next to each other. And the reason why I thought that picture was important was because although I don't think the Jets are going to be favored week one against an experienced Buffalo Bills team, and although that's a tough matchup to have week one, if you're a Jets fan, doesn't Aaron Rodgers and the gap between him and Josh Allen, who, by the way, is probably the second or third best quarterback in football, doesn't it feel like the gap between those two quarterbacks is super small, talent-wise, athletic-wise? As far as resume goes, Aaron Rodgers has accomplished more than Josh Allen. He does have a lot more experience and a lot more years under his belt to do so. But the point I'm really making here is, when was the last time the Jets had a quarterback that you put up against Josh Allen and you felt good about that comparison? Forget the Jets. How many teams in football have a quarterback that you put up against Josh Allen and you think they compare pretty well to? Aaron Rodgers' arm, escapability, knowledge of the game, resume, stacks up in some cases better if not just as good at Josh Allen's. And this is nothing about Josh Allen. It's showing you how great he is. But the the point is, not only do the Jets now have a contemporary to him, they have a guy that you can put on the field and feel like you have a legitimate fighting chance without having to win it with your defense, without having to win it with special teams or a crazy defensive play. You can put Aaron Rodgers on the field and feel good about that. And week one, you go in and feel good about the game. It doesn't mean that they'll win every game. 
But when you see the Jets' schedule and you see them playing Patrick Mahomes, you see them playing Josh Allen, you see them playing Joe, Joe Burrow, and you see them playing Lamar Jackson, all these teams that they're going to play, all of a sudden their quarterback gets equal to or better than, or at least in the same realm. The Jets have not had that in years, and to be fair, a lot of teams have not had a quarterback that you can stack up against any of those guys ever or in years, and the Jets did so. And so people talked a lot about where the Jets gave up a lot in the trade, and the Packers did do a great job in the trade, and I think they got a lot. But if you're the Jets, or you're a Jets fan, isn't it worth it to feel good about the quarterback position, the most important position on the football field? Especially because this wasn't a team that was in shambles. This was a team that has really good receiver talent, brought in more receiver talent, has one of the best corners in football, has a defensive-minded coach, has a pretty good offensive line. This was a team that if you got them the right quarterback, they can make a run, and I really believe the New York Jets can make a run this year with Aaron Rodgers. And so... We talk about who won the trade. All I know is the Jets should be happy today about getting Aaron Rodgers, even though they had to give up a lot. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Red Zone Radio. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next time on Red Zone Radio.